from the pages of rpmnewsweekly.com, the site that brings you automotive news that goes behind the headlines. This is the RPM News Weekly Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the RPM News Weekly Podcast. My name is Peter. With me, as always, is RPM co-founder Rich Tabor. Rich, you want to say hello? Howdy. How's everyone? Uh, howdy. Howdy it is. Uh, are you wearing a mask as we record? I, I don't know. Am I no, supposed to? I What's have... the protocol with that? Are we supposed to? <laughs> uh, well, if it's not your microphone, I suppose you should. That's a good point, actually. But, uh, uh, but uh, no, this is my microphone. I'm the only one who uses it. Uh, I'm indoors um, by myself in my studio. Uh, my wife is downstairs. <laughs> well, you're, you're staying out of the public anyway, right? You're, you're pretty... Pretty much, you know, I, I bought enough groceries to, to go go about three weeks. Oh, I wish I could and, do that. I, I can't. Uh, it's so hard. Well, you know, here and there I have to go out for, you know, post office, uh, pick up mail at the post office box and stuff like that. It's funny because uh, you, you had, you know, this would be totally interesting to nobody but us, but uh, before this whole thing happened, you had offered me a freezer. <laughs> Remember you? you, you oh, yeah. You, and, and I'm like kicking myself for not picking that up. <laughs> Before all this happened, uh, so much is hard, harder to do. There's there, no question. So much is harder to do. I mean, even getting hardware at the hardware store. Yeah, it it becomes like a a, a whole different experience. It's funny because uh, uh, up here in New Hampshire, nothing. There's none of that. You can walk in and out of any store you want. There's no no lines, no hesitations. It's like business as usual. And for me, I work from home, so it's like nothing's changed. For me, I'm just going on my daily life. I avoid people mm-hmm. and I work from home. This is perfect. This works out. Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately, I, what I've seen is is that a gradual shift. I mean, I, I, I think I was one of the, the few at the beginning that was wearing a mask. Uh, I can remember going to the supermarket, maybe 30, 40 percent of the people had a mask. Uh, the next time I went in, it was about 90 percent. Uh, and then the last time, it was almost 100 uh, percent. There was one or two people that I saw that did not. But... Uh, it's mandatory, actually. I don't think they'll cash you out at the supermarket I go to if you don't have a mask on. Yeah, my niece works uh, at a uh, convenience store, and she's had run-ins with people who are none too happy that they, she won't cash them out, and it's the law. You know, she works at a store, and people come in there all the time without masks, and, and she's actually had a few angry customers. And it's like, don't, well, don't you read the news? Or, or you know, even if you know you don't really? care about the whole virus thing, it's still the it's still the the law. You know, it's still the, but up here, see, it's funny up here because it's still, I would say about 50%. And we go to Walmart, you know, maybe pick up stuff, maybe, uh, maybe a week, every, maybe every two weeks. And I was just there today, actually. And uh, it's amazing the people who are not, and it's a lot of children. Like you see a lot of, up in like the Tilton, New Hampshire, Walmart, there, there's kids. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were there two weeks ago, and there was this family, and the kids were just running. They were running around the toy section, and we actually were trying to walk around them, and they were running around us like, the, like you know, business as usual. And these little kids yeah. are like maybe seven or eight. Right. And, and you, I've seen, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen couples with infants, and I mean newborn infants, walking around, no masks. I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. Like walking around with the baby in their hands, and you see a lot of babies uh, – out there, yeah. and it, and, it, and it's like it's a, people aren't you reading the news? I mean, now they've got that that what is it called the uh, uh, what's the name of that syndrome that's hitting the children now? Oh yeah, it's like a toxic shock. Yes, yes, I, I can't think of the yeah. name of it, but they, they have a name for it now. But you know that's hitting New Hampshire now, and it and it, it's amazing the people you don't see. I, I get it. All right, say you're you're in your thirties and you think you're invincible. Okay, but you bring in your your baby around, and, and even elderly people. You see a lot of elderly people. 
you well, go to not to mention not to mention if you happen to be uh, shedding the virus even though you you don't feel sick right uh, you you could be infecting a dozen maybe two dozen three dozen people that's that to me is like you know if you can't do it for yourself do it for someone else you know um, yeah that's you, the do weird you know, thing do you ever watch the program Shit's Creek no a, oh great I think you recommended it program. before yeah uh, well uh, Eugene Levy's son Eugene Dan Levy, Levy yeah. uh, he uh, he um, Co, you know, he co-produces it with, with his dad. And uh, he posted something that uh, uh, I happen to see on Instagram. Someone, my wife pointed it out to me, um, you know, where he was basically saying, you know, instead of thinking it uh, as a loss of your freedom, think of it as a, a, a simple way you can show an act of kindness to other people because, uh, you know, you could be preventing them from getting sick. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of one of the most important things. Yeah, but the, we, uh, we, we're digressing a little bit. I thought uh, yeah. that this was a RPM News Weekly. No, well, you've uh, got to talk about the obvious. I mean, you've got to talk about the, the, the miniature elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all the, the, let's get out of the, yeah, you're right. I mean, let's get out of the, the miserable reality talk. And, I mean, well, actually, no, this kind of ties in because we were talking about Toyota. Now, you know, the Toyota had two new product releases or, or uh, well, I guess I wouldn't call them releases, more like announcements. But, you know, normally we'd probably be seeing those at, like, the New York Auto Show. Well, actually, I think we would have seen these at the New York Auto Show. So it, might, so it does tie into that in a way because now you're looking at these online uh, product debuts. And, yeah, uh, my guess is you're right. They, these probably would have been at the New York Auto Show. Uh, and, and, yeah, the question comes to mind, you know, why, if, if not that, why, why are they making that announcement now? Uh, because these are 2021 vehicles. Uh, it's the Toyota Sienna Hybrid and Venza Hybrid. Uh, the Sienna has been still in production, but now it'll be uh, all trims will be hybrid. And then the Venza, which has been out of circulation since 2015, uh, is being reimagined, as, as Toyota calls it. Um, and it's going to be uh, 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 all hybrid there as well at, at all trim levels. So, and, and you know, you make an interesting point too about the idea that these are. Uh, the press conference for this is, uh, was a uh, virtual press conference uh, where uh, you'd go to a, uh, you'd get a link from Toyota and you'd go to it, uh, which you know, they had sent out to uh, most of the press corps, I, I guess. Um, I know that here in New England, uh, the folks from uh, New England Motor Press Association were, were advised about it. And uh, so I showed up, so to speak, uh, <laughs> uh, when they had the live, uh, so it's not really a launch because the, I don't think the Sienna is even ready for, for launching yet. The Benz is supposed to be out in the summer. The Sierra is going to uh, come out uh, sometime late in the year, according to their announcement. Uh, so these, uh, these models will be coming up pretty quickly. Uh, uh, hybrid models, both of them. Yeah, the, um, I mean, I imagine they had all this stuff set in motion to be launched at a certain time, so they had to, you know, uh, it's probably not ideal to do a digital product launch as far as, you know, you don't get the hoopla and, you know, when you go to, you go to the New York Auto Show, as I was talking about, uh, you have a room full of people with, with cameras and well, phones waiting to throw pictures on Twitter and like, you don't get that sort of rush of, of stuff when, if it's on digitally i mean yeah you can you can download photos and share them but you know it's not people in the room live streaming this release you know all over all over the world all over every right. social media you know it's, it's 
so much more energy, you know. Yeah, that's so the thing is, is that it's so easy when you get the email and it has a link on it that says, you know, join us for you know, our product unveiling. Uh, it's so easy in the rush of things uh, to disregard that uh, versus when you're at the show, you're there for a particular reason and you're going from, you know, uh, launch and unveiling one to the next to the next, you know, say every hour there's, a, there's another one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you, you, there's a, a buzz that happens with that. Uh, you know, I hope they get some buzz from this. This is actually pretty good news. It's, it's all part of a bigger plan that, that Toyota has set in motion that they want to have 100% of their fleet uh, to have some form of electrification. Uh, so whether that be hybrid or fuel cell uh, or all electric. And I think that they're also, the, by 2025, that's, the, that's their goal, by 2025, 100% will have some form of, of electrification, 100% of their lineup. Uh, with that also is that they're looking to have 25% of it be all electric. Uh, so that's a pretty hefty portion, and, and you know, it's, it's great to see uh, a manufacturer like Toyota that has such a big presence in the marketplace uh, taking the lead on this. Uh, not many of the other manufacturers are, are close to that yet. Uh, you know, there are a few, and we'll get to talking with about one uh, a little bit later. Uh, Rivian that is uh, is an all electric uh, from the you know from the get go. Uh, like uh, you know, and in fact they they sort of followed on the heels of Tesla for a while before they decided to go in a different direction, but they're all electric. Uh, just, it's just they're, they're the models that they decided to, to launch with are different, and, uh, but we'll get back to that. Well, uh, so uh, it's funny with the Sienna because I've always said, uh, I've always said this about the Sienna. It, it really, in a way, you know, yeah, kudos to Toyota, but in also in a way it's like, what took you so long? <laughs> they, you know, they've had, Toyota's pretty much, I mean, arguably Toyota has has made hybrids part of the normal, like, reality. Without Toyota, there wouldn't be, there just wouldn't be. Without the Prius, you know, there just wouldn't be probably mainstream hybrids like that. Right. 15 uh, million, they, they're saying. They, uh, 15 million since they, they launched the Prius. Yeah, so, so, you know, what took them so long? When you look at Toyota's, like, um, we just had the RAV4, actually, at the office. And I love the RAV4. Like, I love the old-school feel of the RAV4. But at the same time... I'm not the RAV4. I'm sorry. The, the, the 4Runner. RAV4 is not very old-school feel. Um, the 4Runner. And, and, you know, it's, it's such... It's very, it's very old-school frame on, you know, body on frame. And, and it just feels old-school while still feeling sort right. of fresh. But, you know, you think at this point... And just like the Sienna, at this point, they could do a little more to get some you know, MPGs out of that, you know, get some, get, get a little better, better gas mileage out of these things. Now, Toyota, mm -hmm. the Sienna should have been, I mean, you know, Chrysler, Chrysler beat everybody to the, to the punch with the, with the Pacifica hybrid, the plug, the plug-in yeah, hybrid. So, so strange. And that's strange because yeah, exactly. You know, how did Toyota not think of this sooner? And, and, um, or Honda, you know, with the Odyssey and, you know, the Toyota was, I think the Toyota's, you know, reversely, I think the Toyota's the only one that you can get with all-wheel drive, right, up until this year. I want to say that the Pacifica's adding all-wheel drive this year, or 2021. You're talking about the Sienna Hybrid? Well, no, I'm talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the just some of the kind of firsts on the on the Sienna. You know, the Sienna was the first, like, all-wheel oh, yeah. drive okay. minivan, I, I believe. Okay. And then, um, but, you know, it didn't occur to them to do 
to do a hybrid version of it. And then Pacifica comes along, and now, as a matter of fact, the fact that they're even refreshing or redesigning the, the Sienna to me is, is kind of surprising because, you know, you would have thought that minivans would go way of the station wagon. But, you know, they, they put a fresh style on it. And they You know, just like Chrysler. Chrysler was looking to do a, you know, 2021 Pacifica's coming out, and it has more of a, a little bit more of an SUV-ish front end. They've, they've dropped the front end that it had, you know, since its beginning. And it has mm -hmm. this, they sort of try to give it a little bit of a, an SUV feel to, to the design. And, and you can see that in the Sienna as well. Although the grill, I don't know what Toyota is doing with the grills, but you know, this, the Toyota Sienna grill looks like it'll sweep up, you know, small animals oh, or, yeah. or children. <laughs> like if you, you know, if you get hit by that thing, it looks like it's just going to sweep you up. Yeah. yeah it uh, does. It, that's sort of like an, actually kind of an older looking grill in the sense of older being like, you know, 2014, 2015. Yeah, uh, uh, you know that wide open uh, guppy mouth uh, in the front. Yeah, I don't but they get it. they they're claiming that they 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 stylized the nose a little bit in the front end to to look a little bit like a streamlined uh, train, a high speed rail train. Uh, I, I mean, I can I can see it. The car does uh, you know have a, a nice streamlined look to it. Yeah, uh, uh, it's uh, you know it, it it's it, even if it is you know it's about time kind of thing. For Sienna to finally become uh, to be offered as a as a hybrid, yeah, uh, uh, I'm glad they reached this point. Uh, right, no doubt. You, did, yeah. you know, you know, it's interesting. A moment ago, when you when you uh, made that little slip of the tongue, I said the Rav Four, oh, yeah. meaning the the Forerunner. Uh, the the Venza, the other hybrid that was uh, unveiled, uh, they're designing that to kind of fit between the Rav Four and the Highlander. Uh, it's it's an interesting spot, uh, you know, uh, when a manufacturer kind of squeezes a car in between two cars in their lineup, uh, you, you kind of you know wonder what you know what what sort of you know stats are they uh, they reading or listening to? Yeah. What, you know what's what what is it that is telling them that they need to fill that spot? Uh, but it's a shop looking car. Uh, you know, I think it'll go well. Uh, you know, for folks that are looking for one of those. Uh, athletic uh, hatchbacks that are called uh, SUVs or CUVs. Yeah. Uh, well, because uh, that, that's what it looks like. Uh, right. Know, and, and that's. And, oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, uh, just one more point was just that it's, you know, it's got that, that kind of horsepower that's kind of middling. You know, 219 is its uh, a hybrid powertrain, uh, offers up uh, 219 horsepower, uh, and it's got on, uh, on all wheel drive on demand. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's not like it's a, 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 a vehicle that's going to be built to be towing around a, a, a monstrous yard or something. No, uh, it, it's it, but it's a funny place because you know there's that this trend of taking SUVs, three row SUVs, and making it making them two row SUVs, and now you have a new model. You have the Volkswagen Atlas. Was it the Atlas Cross? That's called oh the the Cross Sport, yeah. The Volkswagen uh, Atlas Cross Sport, they literally take the back seat out, chop the window down, give it more of a rake, and voila, new car. And, and a matter of fact, uh, Honda with the Pilot. Um, you know. Well, I'm not, I'm not seeing like that sort of thing happening with what the Venza looks like. Well, to me, I the, mean, the, the, uh, it, no, I'm just. Uh, but the Venza is is pretty much what it was when it was. It's it, it pretty much what it is. What it, what it was when it was out originally. It was a sort of SUV hatchback right i mean it was sort of like a, a uh it, it actually doesn't stray too far from the original 
the original formula. It's not like the Pacifica when the Pacifica came back as a as a full on minivan. When it originally went out, it was sort of this sort of mm-hmm. uh, like the Mercedes R class, you know, that sort of minivan thing. And and right. um, so the the Venza actually sticks to the original formula of the car. And in in a way, if you think about it, they were actually kind of ahead of themselves. They were kind of ahead of the the style because now everything. Everything has an alternate. Every SUV seems to have an alternative version where, where like if it's the X, you know, what's the, the X3, uh, you know, or or um, where it's sort of this hatchbacky. You know, it's almost like the. Um, what was the other example? You know, let's Chevy Blazer. Chevy Blazer is another one, right? That that everyone was expecting sort of an off-road vehicle, but what they got was sort of a, sort of a, two-row, hatchbacky sporty Camaro SUV. And, uh, but, you know, so, so, so it's just funny. If you look back now, you think of they, they, in 2008 when they, um, the first generation was out, they were kind of ahead of things uh, on the trends. But to me personally, it just, it just, I, I get that there's people who probably want that, but then why not just get the three row version? You know, the Volkswagen Atlas is, is a good example of this. Why not? Just it, the price difference isn't really all that much. Why would I want to take the back seat, the third row out? If you don't use it, fold it down. But it's nice to have, you know. Why buy well, Why buy a less well, useful vehicle for the same price? Well, there's probably a couple of things, uh, you know, in its favor in that regard. Uh, besides the idea that the, the Venza, the new Venza here, I think looks a lot more likable. The, the, the older Venza to me was very frumpy looking. It looked very <laughs> squat, squat and wide. If you have pulled up behind one on a highway, yeah. you know, it just kind of had that frumpy look. Uh, but this one has a much more urbane, kind of stylish look. The other thing is, is that, uh, you know, if it were bigger or three row, uh, you know, you wouldn't, pro- they probably would not have been able to get the 40 miles per gallon. No, it would have been a Highlander. <laughs> if you made it three rows, it'd be the Highlander. It, it is sort yeah. of, it is sort of the, the, um, the Atlas cross to the Toyota Highlander, you know, if the, uh, compare the two, right. you know. The Venza yeah, is yeah, the Atlas yeah, Cross. That sounds like a fair, fair comparison. Um, uh, well, listen, you know, uh, can we can we pivot at this point? Pivot and, if you wish. And, yes. All right, let's let's pivot. Uh, and, and by the way, what I will point to is if you want more information on on either the Sienna or the Venza, uh, if you go to rpmnewsweekly.com, uh, you'll see that there is a post there uh, which gives you just about everything that Toyota wanted you to know about that. Uh, the title of the article is New Toyota Sienna and Benzer Hybrids Unveiled, and that's at rpmnewsweekly.com. All uh, right. But, uh, you know, you had mentioned something about, uh, uh, it caught me by surprise, I guess I missed it in the news feed, is that uh, Ford, who had just within the last year, uh, just about a year ago, uh, had uh, dipped into their funds to uh, send our, our all-electric friends at Rivian uh, a $500 million check to to work with them on a design for Ford and Lincoln vehicles based on the Rivian skateboard platform. Uh, but uh, they backed out of that at this point, but uh, followed that up with some other interesting news. Uh, maybe you can explain that a little bit, uh, dive into that one a little bit. Well, it's like one of those things that's sort of like an ongoing story, you know, of like you said, Ford had made an initial investment, but now you know they're talking about canceling plans to make a Lincoln SUV. But if I recall, like the the the, it's still not sort of clear. You know, they're like, well, we're not working with them, but you know, we're gonna work with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so, uh, uh, 
I don't know. Well, yeah, you know, I'm just wondering how much of the technology they took with them because, uh, you know, when they backed out, the, the overarching explanation was that because of the pandemic, it's basically changed their plans, uh, which is understandable. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, I'm sure a lot of the manufacturers are uh, taking a long look at, at their strategic plans uh, as a consequence. Uh, but then you're right, they, they kind of mix it up a little bit to, to say, well, they're going to go ahead with designing an electric vehicle of their own. Um, it's like, well, based on what? Based on what you learned while you were with Rivian? <laughs> you <know>? Well, you <laughs> got to wonder, I mean, I, I, there's two ways. I mean, of course, we can only speculate or guess. You know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But, you know, there's the thought that maybe Rivian's not living up to what Ford expected. And, or, or it's not coming along as well as you know as well as it. Or, or you know, oh, they, well, they postponed their their plans for their launch of their two vehicles uh, as a consequence of the pandemic. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe they somehow uh, you know the change in the workforce and change in, in suppliers. Right, uh, but because I, of the pandemic, I don't see. I don't really buy that so much because everything is going to come back from that. Like everything already is coming back from that. If you look at, you know, I was in a Chevy dealership last week. There was nothing new. It wasn't any different. You know, there was the same amount of people I would have saw there four months ago in that dealership buying cars. And maybe that varies from place to place as things open up. But, but you know, I think the automotive industry as a whole, yeah, it's taken a massive hit, obviously. But it's also going to come back. You know, people need cars. People need to turn in leases. People need to buy new things. People, you know, it's it's nice. I'd love to assume that that everyone's going to, you know, work from home at this, you know, people I've read, oh, everyone's going to work from home after this. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to be sitting in traffic within a, a couple months. You know, it's going to go right back to the way, th you know, right back oh, to the way I things hope. were. I hope, but, but I hope not. I hope we learned something, you know, right. from there having massive... people work at home and 17% and, and, uh, yeah. reduction in greenhouse gases. Uh, but, you know, surprisingly, I think you're, you are right that, that uh, you know, it's a lot, there is a lot of things that are still happening at, in a close to normal way, I guess, uh, in some respects. Uh, one number, this is not hard and fast, I can't verify it, but a uh, friend, uh, Rick DeMice, who does Tech Talk, which is also featured on our RPM News Weekly and, and also on uh, Cows Radio on Tuesdays at, uh, in, uh, on the East Coast here, you can listen to it on Cows Radio uh, FM uh, 92.5. It's an online station. But he said something on the lines of like what the numbers that he was reading. I think he said that sales were down 10 percent, which is a pretty big drop. But uh, it surprised me that it wasn't higher. I thought that it would be you know 25 or 30 percent. But uh, so there is a, a some you know whether it's that they're just delivering cars, people are buying them. If someone sees something they want, they you know they may be foregoing the usual test drive and and some of the things that that, that we're accustomed to doing. But you're right. You know, people have leases to turn in, um, and uh, and people need cars uh, for you know just if anything, just for their own sense of security. Uh, so I, I wonder. Uh, there's, there's two. Like I, I said, I think we we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, there's there's two ways I think this this goes down. Either Ford has been hit hard, obviously, and and that's understandable. And they're see they don't ever say you know Ford that that story came out a year ago that they were investing five million dollars, but have they given them that money or was that like an, was that more of like a, like a pre-purchase type thing? Like we're going to put, you know, 500 million into your company and we're going to get this. Or was it a, here's five hundred you know, $500 million. We now own a, a share of your company. Like, I don't know what, 
that investment entailed enough to kind of speculate on it. I, 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 oh. I'm thinking maybe oh. it's sort of like. So a, I'm sorry. Go on. So, so, so you're, you're suggesting that perhaps they picked took their chips home with them? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, uh, if Ford's hurting enough that they're gonna, you know, have to take sort of a couple years to kind of rebuild and 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 then kind of go back to their plan, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of catch up and maybe pay off whatever debts they're they're have accumulated over the last couple of months by being shut down. I mean, who knows? But you know, they they do say that they're gonna do something in the future, but they can't. See, this is the thing: they can't really. I guess for Ford, it's a weird spot because. You can't come out and say, well, we're canceling our plans with these guys because you're invested in this company now. <laughs> so you're going to hurt your own investment by, by canceling this. You know what I mean? Like, so if Ford put up $500 million already and then they cancel the deal with Rivian, well, how does that look for Rivian? That looks bad. And, and if, so Ford is kind of hurting themselves, really. It's like canceling their own. Well, it's like canceling you know, their, own, their own, you know. It, but, but what, you, you alluded to something before we, we, we went on the air with this uh, about Ford still having sort of their fingers in the, in the works there uh, by putting someone on the board of directors at, at Rivian. Yeah, it was, um, well, there's a Ford now, uh, an actual Ford family member on the board. It was Alexia Ford, was that their name? I got to go back and find the story to that. But, you know, see, to, now to me, with somebody who's sort of suspicious, I guess, uh, of the whole thing, uh, if if Ford is putting a Ford family member on the board, the day you know a couple of days before they make an announcement that they're canceling plans, doesn't that that sort of suggests that there may be a problem at Rivian, you know, with Rivian? Maybe what Rivian's promising isn't living up to what they, you know, what they're going to be able to deliver, or or the other way. I mean, maybe Ford wants to put a um, somebody on the board there so they can look. You know, maybe look hip. Hey, look at us. Look how invested we are in this new, young, hip automotive company. We're, we're willing to work with them. You know, maybe they're trying to get in on a little bit of that. Is, you know, maybe that's why they're investing in the first place. But well, uh, you know, uh, I pulled up the press release from them announcing uh, the, the board member going on to Rivian. Uh, her name is Alexandra Ford English. Okay. Uh, and she joined uh, Ford in 2017. She's the uh, she is uh, executive chairman Bill Ford Jr.'s daughter. Uh, this is the quote they have from uh, uh, another one of their chief executives, Jim Hackett. It says, uh, with Alexandra's experience in mobility and self-driving services, she will bring a unique perspective to Rivian's board. So they're implying that, that uh, she's on the board there to uh, work with them on self-driving services? Uh, or that type of thing, mobility versus uh, you know getting the the two two vehicles that Rivian has promised the world, the uh, tr uh, pickup truck and the all electric pickup truck and the SUV. Uh, that maybe the you know she's going to be trying to bring a different kind of influence to to, uh, to what they're doing, or or is that just sort of a background backdrop? But why why would they pick those particular things to say about her? Hmm. In, their pre in this press release. I, I shouldn't say a press release. This is actually a news piece I'm reading from Reuters. Uh, so uh, maybe I should clarify that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's very interesting. You know, so uh, on the one hand, they're taking, taking the chips and going away. And, oh, well, we don't know if they're taking the chips, but they're, they're backing out. They're canceling the, uh, the deal. And then five days later, they announced that they have uh, one of the daughter, the daughter of the chief executive, 
with, whose name is Ford, uh, <laughs> you know, have, uh, placing someone on Rivian's board of directors. Interesting. I kind of wish they would clarify that because if the $500 million investment was more of like a sort of like a pre-purchase, like the relationship that, that Tesla had with Panasonic, you know, they sort of had a commitment to buy a certain amount of batteries, you know, within a certain amount of years with, with Panasonic. Is it that type of, where they say a $5 million investment, was it that type of investment where they said, we're going to give you $5 million in advance for the, you know, this so many vehicle platforms or so much work, you know, so many hours of development work or 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 was it literally just like you said a check did they sign a check that five million dollars here you go we're invested in you now as as a as a, as a shareholder or as an investor because again you know uh, it, it sort of seems it to, for me it sort of seems negative for rivian it, and if ford is in, in a, an investor of that company that you think that they'd want to sort of spin this as best as they could and say yeah we're, we decide you know they could have worded this whole differently they could have said well we've decided to to make a link in the first lit Rivian, as opposed to coming out and saying, we're canceling this plan. You know, why not come out and say, well, we're not going to do a Ford right now. We're going to do a Lincoln first, you know, because that looks good for the brand. That looks good for Lincoln's brand. You know, Lincoln needs something young and, you know, some, some sort of new, new blood or, or some new energy, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, no, right. no pun intended. And, uh, that seems like PR wise, that'd be a better way to go with it. You know, Hey, we're still, we're still going to do something, but you know, Anyway, uh, we, we did, you know, and, I, and it's funny because I'm very, I, I'm actually looking forward to the Rivian vehicles. I, I really do, would love to, to um, pick up the SUV. I think that's such a good looking vehicle uh, to begin with, let alone the whole, the whole electric side of it. And um, Well, we, we have a, a, a piece from New York International Show 2019 where we spoke at length with uh, Brian uh, Gase of, of Rivian. Yes, we, uh, um, and it's funny because I just got the notification now that, that the New York Auto Show was canceled officially this year. It was postponed initially, but did you get that um, note from them? I think it was yesterday it came. No, I didn't see it. The New York Auto Show was hosted at the Jarvitz Center uh, in New York City, and they've turned that into a makeshift hospital. Mm -hmm. So it's like a backup hospital, but the irony is they never got any patients. They haven't had a patient there yet. So they're keeping it obviously as a as a backup, but they never had the flood that they thought they were going to have. They never used it, so so they're so they're still using the Javits Center as a hospital. So that you know the auto show basically came out and said, well, it's unfeasible for us to do this. So you know we're looking forward to spring 2021. So, yeah, you know that I I had a feeling that was going to happen. That uh, that it only makes sense under the circumstances. Uh, a lot of yeah. the, a lot of the summer. Uh, events and shows they're they're just not going to happen it's just it's yeah not, and, I, and i how do, how do you do how do you practice social distancing in, at events like that uh no it's a, a, a major charitable event that I'm, I'm generally associated with and and do some work with in the summer uh it, it's just not possible they have to cancel uh their major summer event uh and uh you know it's just uh, across the board we're seeing that it's just it's not some you can't do events that uh uh, expect, you know, tens of thousands of people and practice social distancing at the same time. It's just not, that doesn't, they, they just don't Yeah, work, and, work and uh, you know, you might as well just, you know, at this point, just take the year off. I mean, because everything, see, even what we do, like when I work for Wheels TV, we do a lot of automotive research and, and all, even that, you know, the automotive research stuff is, is delayed. There's not a lot of information for 21s yet where we, where we normally would have seen a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, by now and, and even Chevrolet, though, they, they pushed back, I think it was the Equinox was getting a refresh and that's been pushed back to 2022. 
So, so in a way, there's probably not a lot to show. And, and it probably would have been a pretty, if, even if they had held it over the summer like they had planned, it probably would have been a pretty low turnout. So is it economically feasible for them to do it that, you know, right. with, and, right. and have less of an attendance, you know, and then where are these projects? You know, like the whole Rivian thing we were just talking about where, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it was exactly it. Everything is pushed back, you know, and that's just the reality of it. But, um, so we're going to end on, on that interview. Yeah, we had pretty, it was pretty good uh, discussion. You guys had, you're talking about, you know, you, you can feel kind of the passion that they have for that vehicle being what it is, which is an off-road sort of adventure, electric adventure vehicle. You're not trying to be Tesla, not trying to be the fastest car in the world. They want to be something that you can, you can use and, and use it's sort of that, you know, that rugged, maybe, maybe they've pushed it a little bit too much, but you know, because the reality is most people are just going to drive it to the mall, but you know, it is a very capable vehicle that you can take out and you can attach things to it. They have tents, they have stoves, they have, you know, you could you can park that thing and run it, you know, run your whole campsite off of it. Which mm-hmm. I guess kind of kind of throws off the whole adventure part of it. But so we're going to end with that uh, that interview with Brian Gase. And uh, so Rich, I guess I'll talk to you next week, or we get back on a regular schedule with the podcasts. That would be good. So, uh, uh, let's put something on the agenda for next week, or as soon as we can get to it. The uh, uh, the Cannonball Run. All right, we'll hold that. Uh, the oh, record, I forgot about talking about the, the Cannonball Run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, yep. We'll, we'll put that on our agenda. You know, the, the record keeps getting broken. It's been. Uh, Broken, I think, five times in the last several months, uh, mostly because uh, there's not many cars on the highway uh, uh, to slow uh, slow down uh, someone's, well, someone's effort to get across the country as fast as possible. That's that's true, but then again, they've proven in L.A. that yeah, there's less people on the road, but there's more cops with nothing to do. <laughs> so it's kind of a you know, is that you know, if the cops have nothing better to do, that may be the biggest challenge is, is, uh, to, is to not get it stopped for speeding. I, I think what it's going on is is it's, it's these records are going to come down. I mean, efficiency in a vehicle alone, to me, is 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 just one piece of that puzzle. You know, efficiency as cars get more efficient, you can go across the country without stopping as much. But we'll we'll talk about that next week, and uh, we're just going to head out now, and uh, we'll leave you with your interview with Brian Gase at the New York International Auto Show. Okay, take care, Peter. Yep, have a good day. See, see you all next next week. Hello, Rich Tabor for RBM News Weekly, here in New York City at the New York International Auto Show. And I'm speaking with Brian Gase. He's the chief uh, engineer, special projects for Rivian, a new entrant into the burgeoning field of electric vehicles. How's it going today, Brian? It's going really well. How are you today? All right. You've got a lot of folks coming in through your booth. It's yes. generating a lot of interest. I suppose that uh, a lot of them might be uh, that you've got a pickup truck, an elect- uh, EV pickup truck, Plus, you've got a multi-passenger, three-row SUV. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. So we're, we're really excited here. I mean, we debuted these in, in L.A. Uh, late last year. Uh, so this is our second show as a company. As a company, we've been around since 2009. For anyone that hasn't heard of us, we were very quiet up until when we bought a, an assembly plant and then uh, when we started showing vehicles in L.A. So if you're going to come out to New York, come out. Everyone in the green jackets. We're Rivian employees. We're really excited about what we have to show. Well, you know, tell us a little bit about the difficulty it is to get a manufacturing company that's going to make automobiles, and especially in a field that is not especially that popular in the United States, at least not yet. I know we're seeing a lot of numbers that are much larger in Europe, yeah. and perhaps we'll be getting there in the next couple of years, but 
How difficult is that to get that? To so I think if you look at a company from a perspective, there's a lot of capital needed to create a car. I think the coolest thing about today is some of with the technology changes, particularly in electrification, some of that investment is reducing because it's a, it's a more even playing field. So what we're able to do from a technology side, bring stuff up to market, um, we're able to do it very quickly, and we're able to do it in a way that that really pushes on the technology and the research happening in, in the battery world today. Um, uh, Difficulty-wise, some of the great things for us as a company, I said we were really quiet for a long time. We got our investment in line, we started building our team, we got our suppliers on board, we purchased an assembly plant. We put all of these steps together before we showed the world what we were doing. Now those steps took the years of the company being around, but most people look at it and say, what have you been doing for so long? And we're doing exactly what your question was, which is the hard work of getting an organization put together. Well, if timing uh, is everything, as, as, as we always oh, hear, uh, you could be poised really at that, at that critical juncture where uh, more of the public in the United States begins to take a close look at uh, EV vehicles. Now, explain to me why uh, you've jumped right in at a multi-three-row SUV, yep. and, and a lot of the other manufacturers have seemed to have shied away from from doing that. So, if you think about electric vehicles in the early days, you I know, mean, the '90s, up until you know some of the the, the more performance-based ones came out recently, they were very much about efficiency. What you want as a, as a car maker is something that people are excited about. So some of the reasons that I feel we've, we've brought in our investment and we have a plan for success and we have a lot of, as you said, attention and attraction here is we have products out that are compelling and exciting. If people want to buy your product, you're going to be more successful than if you're trying to push something to customers they don't really want. So if you look at the U.S. specifically, we've got a truck that is unlike any other truck out there not just from the electric side, but also from the performance, the duality of on-road and off-road capability. We've got a very comfortable, very refined seven-passenger SUV. It's got a lot of storage space. It's got a lot of room for your family. Um, these are the, the heart and soul of what the American market wants vehicle-wise, and we're doing it in a, a performance way through an electric powertrain, through our electric skateboard that's low and gives a lot of space for storage and a lot of space for occupants. Um, put out something that's really compelling, and uh, that's, what, that's what we're the, really the most excited about is actually the product that we're making ourselves. Well, on the performance side then, both of these vehicles, they're on the same platform and uh, they're, uh, uh, the, the battery ha is the same size battery that will provide them with the power, but what's the uh, longevity of, uh, not, not just in terms of years of use of the battery, but also uh, how, how far can you go on to charge? Yeah, so we have three battery options, same battery options across the SUV and the truck. So R1S and R1T both offer a 105 kilowatt hour pack, 135 kilowatt hour pack, and the biggest pack is 180 kilowatt hours. On the 180, you can go up to 400, 410 miles of range. Um, that's based on EPA drive cycles. So when you go off-roading and do things, obviously that drive cycle changes. Um, but based on published numbers, you're looking at 400 miles of range. You're looking at a vehicle where you're going to drive it, normal daily commuter, plug it in at night in your garage, get in the next day. Um, and the battery, battery is going to last a long time. It's going to last the you know, life of the product, and we expect you to have these things on the road for quite a long time. Now, for those folks that may not have a garage to plug into, uh, many folks in, in the urban environment may not have that opportunity or the ease of access. Uh, you see some shifts, perhaps, in the way in which we deliver the, that electricity, or how yeah, they, they might charge it's, it's really interesting. If, if we had this conversation 100 years ago, and you said, well, why am I getting rid of my horse? How am I getting at a gas station everywhere I have to go? The reality is all these entrepreneurs came and set that up. And putting an electric charge station in compared to a 
gasoline station is infinitely easier. I've already got power. I can connect up a, you know, a 220 really quickly, pay a little bit more and have a DC fast charge. Our vehicles run off of the SAE standard uh, CCS charge port. So um, everything that you can charge most vehicles on, you'll connect ours into. But that entrepreneur that's running that convenience center, if you tell them, hey, someone's gonna plug in, get 200 miles of range in 30 minutes and come into your shop, it seems like a no-brainer from a, an investment side for them to put in that little bit of infrastructure. And, and so this doesn't really even just have to be at a rest stop on a highway. No, it doesn't. It could be anywhere. This could be an employer, for example. A Absolutely. A place for employment or when you shop downtown or at the mall. Yep. So the two vehicles that we have uh, here today, we were driving them around New York City this weekend. We plugged them in a parking garage where I paid to park and charging was free. And we plugged them in in a public charge area where it was 25 cents a kilowatt hour. Just plug in charge up a little bit, continue on your drive. Um, what's great is people are inviting that. And I think back to your, your point on the, the electrification of America and truly electrification of the globe, that is happening at a, a, a growing, consistently increasing pace. So all the companies that are out setting up charge networks, building out this infrastructure so that the you no longer have to have the chicken versus egg conversation. Once the grid is out there, it, it's a lot lower barrier. The exciting thing for us as, as an auto manufacturer is once there's more charge networks, people will get past some of that range anxiety. You can reduce the battery size, you can reduce the cost of the vehicle, and you can still have something that's extremely exciting and compelling that is you know, not trying to deliver the same 400 mile range that we are currently today. Well, I know that you've got your work cut out for you, uh, but here in the, at the show, I can tell from the interest that's being generated all around here, uh, I think particularly because you, you seem to have hit the right mark with going with a, a larger SUV and a truck, um, I mean, the SUV, of course, because of, of the utilitarian, utilitarian aspects of it, easy for someone to just get in, yeah. fill up the car with whatever they're shopping or with their family, um, and or take it to work. And, and, and it would behave, at least on the surface of things, like any other car. Yeah. So the biggest thing I want, I want people to leave with, and everybody that comes by or looks up stuff, and checks out our website and follows us, um, we're an electric adventure company. So what I want you to do is not just go to work and back. I want you to get your best friends. I want you to get your family. I want to take my wife and my three boys, put them in the car, go out camping for a weekend. And the best thing to do when you go on those adventures is you take your friends with you. You don't go by yourself. So I want a vehicle that's a bigger footprint, bigger platform that you can do all that stuff with. It's convenient for us that now we can put this technology in and have a very compelling price point. You know, it, it's not the, $20,000 low cost segment we're trying to go into. It's the aspirational, I want to be in a vehicle where I can take my stuff with me, where I can get my best friend, my dog in the back seat. He can be happy. We can go out to the mountains. We can go on a trail. Um, and we can do the things that we care about. And the vehicle can be a part of that story. Well, it sounds like you've got the looks and you've got the goods for the for, to deliver them. So I uh, wish you lots of luck with the Thank two you. vehicles and very nice talking to you. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Once again, this has been uh, Rich Tabor here at New York International Auto Show with Brian Gase from Rivian Motors. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the RPM News Weekly podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at rpmnewsweekly.com for more automotive news and interviews.